episode three of Awake with Angela Dawn. In this episode, I'm joined by the Honorable Henry Lee Adams, Senior United States District Judge for the Middle District of Florida, Jacksonville Division. Welcome, Your Honor. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I'm, I wanted to kind of get into a little bit of your background okay. to kind of show where you've come from and where you are now. Um, it's, quite, it's quite impressive, and you've gone through, I think, so many challenges, and it's really interesting to me um, to find out what got you motivated to start practicing law. Um, you grew up on the east side of Jacksonville and you began your career in legal aid at Jacksonville. That's uh, correct. Uh, Reginald Heber Smith Fellow, yes. uh, which was sponsored by federal government at that point. I think the purpose of it was to, one, help legal services uh, touch more people. Mm-hmm. And the other was to recruit can't say solely black uh, lawyers, but to participate in increasing the number of black lawyers in any given community. Okay. Uh, so it had a pretty good, uh, uh, the, the program itself had a pretty good purpose. And you were talk- talking about getting more black lawyers in the area. You, um, after you, you were a public defender for the Fourth Circuit. Right. And then you went into private practice with uh, Bill Shepard, and you were part of the first integrated law firm in Jacksonville, or that's, actually in Florida. Yeah, right? well, that's correct, that's correct. It was the, as far as we uh, have been able to ascertain, it was the first integrated law firm in the state of Florida. Uh, but but after that point in time, and uh, you know, I guess we felt good about it, uh, some of the larger black firms start hiring black lawyers, uh, mm-hmm. and that number increased. Yeah, including Jacksonville. Some of the firms in Jacksonville started hiring uh, black lawyers, which uh, kind of surprised me, but it happened. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had the benefit of hearing some of the stories from that time <laughs> and your experiences uh, in the area, um, in Jacksonville in particular. Um, so I, ha- I haven't really disclosed this, but I, would, I was a clerk for Judge Adams, I had that honor for quite a bit of time, and um, I wonder if you might share the story about the convertible. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we uh, when, when I was with uh, uh, Bill Lyman and Lyman Fletcher and, and uh, Jack Han, we had a kind of a mixed practice. Jack was doing uh, a lot of property type uh, work. Uh, Lyman. Uh, doing a lot of uh, uh, domestic type work, uh, primarily divorces. Bill and I were doing uh, some of the primarily criminal defense and some civil rights litigation. Uh, And uh, during this time, we're talking about 19, probably 73, uh, insofar as the criminal defense is concerned. Uh, there was an issue about uh, uh, 
black folks being stopped by members of the sheriff's office if they drove into a certain community or if they were uh, driving with a white passenger, uh, both male or female, for some reason that uh, in their mind created probable cause to stop the car and, and find out what was going on. So we were, we, we were uh, in the office, uh, I think all four of us were in the office one Saturday. And um, we got into that discussion. There was an article, I believe, in the paper, and we got into the discussion about, uh, about them stopping those cars uh, like that. And uh, a couple of uh, the partners kind of thought that uh, uh, the sheriff's office wouldn't you know, do that type of thing. And uh, they didn't really believe, they didn't really believe you were they hadn't had that experience right they didn't believe that uh, if uh, that uh, the police would stop a car simply because there was a white guy and a black guy or a white guy and a black girl a white girl in the car mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, so I proposed I, I made the bet that if uh, we had a we had a passenger we had a client rather not a passenger we had a client whose car, which happened to be a, a, a new Cadillac, new convertible Cadillac at that, mm -hmm. uh, we had allowed him to park the car in the, uh, in the, uh, in the parking lot, uh, in our parking lot, uh, after he got out of jail. And he <laughs> took a flight and told us to uh, keep the car, keep the car there, he'll be back to get it eventually, and uh, you know, drive it for him just to uh, keep it going. And uh, so I, I, I invited, uh, I think it was a lineman, I said, let's, uh, I bet you if we ride down to, uh, through the black neighborhood with you, me, and Bill in this car, police would stop it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was of the opinion that that wouldn't happen. And so we got into this Cadillac which I thought the Cadillac alone would probably get us stopped. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we got in the car. I think I was sitting in the front seat. Bill was driving and Lyman was in the back seat. And I guess we had driven six blocks going down Beaver Street. Uh, by the time we got to Ashley Street, we were pulled over by the police. Really? So, <laughs> And then he saw, since Bill and I, were doing criminal defense and, 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 and knew most of the officers, or the officers knew most knew us when they saw us. Didn't like us, but uh, <laughs> uh, when they saw who it was, uh, they just invited us to have a good day, and, and that was it. Uh, that was one of those stories. <laughs> we, we, when we get together, we usually end up with all sorts of stories. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you have yeah. so many yeah, Bill and I, well, it was all, I think it was all three of us. The three of us, might have been Jack, might have been with us. We were working late one night and decided to go to this uh, nightclub to get a drink you know, someplace else. It was on uh, in Jacksonville on the river. And Bill and I went over there. And we went over there and... Uh, 
Bill walked in, and I think I was talking to somebody, and then I walked up behind there, behind Bill. He was already in there, uh, and uh, they made me pay $2 to go in. I think it was 2 or $3 to go into the, uh, to go into the nightclub. And when I got in there, uh, I asked Bill if he paid anything. He was surprised. He didn't know. He hadn't paid anything. Oh, they didn't charge him? They didn't charge him anything. They hadn't charged mm -hmm. us Lyman. They hadn't charged Lyman anything. And um, and we should clarify, if people don't know, Bill Bill and Lyman are white. Yeah, Bill and, Bill Shepard <laughs> and Lyman, uh, Lyman Fletcher. Uh, and uh, so when we got in there, we sat down and we talked. I said, yeah, they charged you. No, they didn't charge me anything. They didn't charge Lyman anything. And so Bill went and asked some of the white guys in there, it was some, some lawyers in there, we knew if they had been charged and they hadn't been charged. Mm -hmm. And I asked some of the black guys that I knew and they hadn't been charged two or three dollars also. Oh, okay. So um, the next morning we filed a lawsuit against <laughs> that place. And it ended up, uh, we ended up uh, in, uh, in federal court. We had a hearing on a temporary injunction. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that injunction was issued, and, and after that, uh, uh, I think it, the suit was resolved. Uh, that was really my first experience being a plaintiff in a lawsuit, <laughs> especially in federal court, and it scared the hell out of me, really. I, the judge uh, didn't look too friendly in that, uh, mm -hmm. under those circumstances. So. But we, 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 we stayed and, and stayed with it and finished it. That type of thing happened quite a bit, um, and it happened several times. Uh, but I won't go into it. Mm -hmm. Bill and I tend to attend uh, to every time we got together in the evening. It seems like we were either thrown out of somewhere or something. So, <laughs> and then, um, so did that kind of motivate you in some way to want to become a judge, or, uh, or how did that transition happen? It, it really didn't. Uh, you know, I, I really wanted to stick around and, and practice uh, practice criminal law, uh, but I, but my but my problem, my concern was that we didn't have a black judge in Jacksonville. The more prominent black lawyers, and it was about five lawyers, I guess, and wouldn't do it. They didn't want to be judges, uh, and. Uh, I decided that uh, if uh, we needed to get a black judge in Jacksonville, and I'd do it. I'd stay there for a couple of years, and then I'd go back and practice the law. Mm -hmm. and so that what motivated me. And that was in 1979? That was in 1977, I think. Oh, okay. This was, oh, okay. and, and, uh, and it was a county position that was opening up, a county court position, and I applied for that position. And uh, I was not accepted for that position. And um, one of the committee members eventually, uh, or told me shortly after that, that uh, you had a beard. They wouldn't vote for anybody with a beard, <laughs> which is fine. Huh. <laughs> you know, I had a beard. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd had that beard about 20 years then, so, uh, so uh, uh, that did, it didn't work, so I said, I'm going to do it again, and I did it again. A circuit position came available, uh, 
well, a year after that, in 79, I think. Okay. And uh, uh, I, I was nominated uh, uh, by the committee. I was one of the three uh, nominated. Uh, I was interviewed by uh, Governor Graham then. And uh, in fact, I think a week before uh, the, the appointment was made, I had a hearing before Governor Graham and his cabinet on, uh, on a school teacher's uh, license that was mm -hmm. being revoked mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know whether that had an impact on what happened or not I doubt it but a week later Governor Graham called me and made the appointment uh, and uh, and I stayed there until 1993 when you were appointed for uh, the federal when I was position. appointed for the federal position mm -hmm. you know I was getting a little burned out uh, with it but uh, I had a in Jacksonville at that time, you know, you the judges, the circuit judges, was assigned to a civil civil division or criminal division, and a couple of judges were doing probate, and a couple of judges were doing uh, uh, juvenile. But you did that one thing, mm -hmm. and that will burn you out. I thought pretty quickly, so I opted to, after the chief judge suggested it to go to uh, Nassau County for my term of duty there. And at the time I went there, the judge was in Nassau County one day a week on Thursday. And that term lasted about 90 days. And then another judge would show up and do the one day a week. <laughs> so I went up there and uh, the theory was to get this over with one uh, as soon as possible since I had to run for re-election, for a election. Uh, in in uh, 1980, so I wanted to go up to Nassau County and meet some people and see if I could get some votes out of uh, out of Nassau County. Sure. I went up there and I kind of liked it. It was uh, we were doing uh, the judge did criminal, he did civil, he did juvenile, and the people were friendly as hell up there. Uh, so I kind of enjoyed it. And I ended up staying up in Nassau County with that assignment from uh, about three years. And of my 14 years in the state uh, in the state court, I think I went back to Nassau County. Well, half of that term uh, I, I did in Nassau County, which made it really enjoyable. And in 1993, uh, when I was about ready to say, let's go back, <laughs> practice law, see if I can make some money. Uh, but uh, that year, um, a vacancy occurred in the Middle District of Florida. Uh, basically, the, the, the vacancy was in Tampa. I applied for that vacancy, assuming that uh, I would be able to transfer into Jacksonville back home in a year's time. Well, I applied for it. Uh, Governor Graham, who had appointed me for the uh, for the circuit seat, uh, he and he was senator then. He uh, recommended me to uh, President Clinton. I got the appointment and. Uh, I was assigned to Tampa. 
unfortunately, I ended up in Tampa about six or seven years before <laughs> I was able to get back to Jacksonville. I came back. Yeah, that, that, that one year ended up being, uh, what, six or seven years. So, uh, but uh, it was a good experience in Tampa. Well, what, what kind of um, being the first black judge in the Fourth Circuit in Duval County in Jacksonville, what kind of, did you find yourself facing any challenges? I'm sure you did, but, or uh, did you, did you have any um, situations that, that you felt like were unique to you? Well, uh, one, I had some very good friends uh, practicing law. I, I met a lot of young lawyers. Uh, when I was appointed, uh, I'd been practicing about ten years, but I, but I, and I knew a lot of young lawyers who I got along with very well, and who were quite helpful in getting me out of the nominating commission, uh, both white and black, but basically white because it was a limited number of black uh, black lawyers in in, in Jacksonville, and. Uh, uh, but the Jacksonville Bar Association has never been known as the most liberal organization in Jacksonville. So you had some, some white lawyers who really had a problem with a black judge, and, uh, and I knew that. We had a lot of litigants, that uh, I've had uh, a lot of litigants before me who had a problem with a black judge, uh, who made comments or have done things. I had one one gentleman who I was sentencing, and uh, I mean, he turned his back to me. Uh, oh my gosh. Which, you know, if, hmm. uh, and I still <laughs> sentenced him, but he turned his back to me and then some, some level of disrespect. That type of thing happened. But, um, uh, other than that, uh, the, the only other problem was it was pretty slow to get uh, uh, other blacks appointed. I think uh, Al Washington was appointed, who was a, was a friend of mine, he was appointed to the county court maybe four years later, which I thought was too long. That's yeah. quite a while. Yeah. And uh, uh, then uh, there was another circuit judge, uh, uh, Henry Davis, uh, was appointed maybe, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten years later. So it was a slow process of integrating the bench. I think uh, the number of black lawyers had probably in Jacksonville probably doubled by the time Henry was appointed to the uh, to the circuit court. Um, you know, the federal system wasn't too much better than that either. But it was the same situation. Okay. Uh, I think uh, when I got on the bench, there were no black law clerks. Hmm. Uh, I think uh, there was. Uh, one black magistrate, and he was in uh, in Tampa. Uh, they had a, a you know only a few black U.S. attorneys, and I don't think the I don't think that situation has changed that much since then. Uh, and uh, maybe one black public defender. Mm. Uh, so uh, it wasn't the most liberal time when you'd see a lot of a lot of black folks in the, in the judicial system. Yeah. Well, what, 
Judge, what would you say was kind of like your inspiration or motivation? To be a lawyer or? Um, maybe on a day-to-day basis. It's like, that's such a heavy position. You're taking on so much and especially with sentencings. Well, you know, I, most, of, most of it I enjoyed. Uh, most of it I enjoyed. Sentencing it was, a different, was a different issue. Uh, because uh, my original thinking, and I don't think it's changed that much. Uh, well, I got to tell you, I got to uh, being up front with you. I was a big supporter of guidelines before the federal. Before I got on the federal bench, I was on the uh, the, uh, the Florida Supreme Court had uh, created a judicial race judicial ethics commission. Mm-hmm to look at sentencing disparities. And I was of the opinion that to get equality in sentencing, there would have to be a written guideline. Yeah. I, I didn't makes sense. Yeah, I didn't see how it could be done any other way. And, uh, and Florida did come up with a, uh, with a, with a guideline, with a written guideline. Shortly after that, committee gave its report to the to the Florida Supreme Court, and I was happy to be on the committee. It was a, an eye opener, really. And uh, then the, uh, the the federal guidelines came up. But when I got on the federal bench, I thought that the sentencing range was just too high. The sentencings were just too rough, and uh, they were just too high. And uh, so that, that kind of killed my desire for sentencing guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, being the judge, you got to follow what's, what's there. And, uh, and I did. Uh, uh, but it was an interesting, it was an interesting time. Uh, it, you know, a lot of folks went to prison for a long period of time. Uh, that was unnecessary, I thought. Well, that's, speaking of that, um, I've had the opportunity in the, um, to sit in and on some of the sentencing hearings you presided over, and I've seen, I mean, you have to, of course, follow the rules and the laws, right, right, but right. there is some discretion, and I've seen instances where um, you've had, for example, like repeat people come before you, and during, you know, past the past decades that you've been presiding um, you've seen repeat people and I've witnessed the compassion and the kindness that goes along with trying to balance the um, you know protection of society and prevention and what's best for that individual um, well, you know, it, it's it, it really the, the protection of society is a factor that has to be considered under under mm-hmm. under under most any circumstances in imposing a sentence. Uh, I mean, you don't want to put anybody leave somebody out here who is going to do the same thing that, that repeatedly the same thing that got him there, got him or her there, mm-hmm. and uh, I try to avoid that. But I'm not even sure that. The, the guideline sentencing range was 
was more than necessary to accomplish that. Uh, it was more than necessary to accomplish that. So, I mean, when they asked for the max, uh, if I felt the max was an appropriate sentence, and what was required to protect the, the, the uh, society, mm -hmm. then I'd do it. But uh, I didn't think in most instances that's what it takes. I tried to do a fair sentence mm -hmm. and protect society at the same time. I, I'm recently hearing some of the uh, uh, sheriffs uh, are talking about uh, judges or, or releasing people involved in Sioux shootings and things like this being too lenient. Uh, you know, they're calling these people murderers as if they've been convicted of crimes or, or something of that nature, and they haven't been convicted of a crime, so you've got to be careful how you, how you deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had the experience of, uh, of the wrong person being in jail too many times, yeah. uh, so mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to do that again. But one thing um, that's really been impressed upon me, at least in the, the short amount of time I've been able to uh, work with your honor, is that you don't seem you you don't seem like you've ever gotten jaded from it. You. No, I haven't. <laughs> how, <laughs> I how hope I haven't. How, how has that happened? Is that like a conscious effort on your part? Yeah, it's a conscious <laughs> conscious effort. I kind of leave it to, well, one, I leave it to here. Mm. Uh, and I don't take it with me. But, you know, the, in sentencing, the first thing you got to resolve is if the person deserves to go to jail at all. And, uh, uh, once you resolve that, then you have to deal with the other issues of protecting society and what's reasonable and fair on most circumstances. And you got to do it. You got to consider the person that's in front of you. You got to consider the person that's out in the audience that's been the victim of this. Yeah. Yeah, you got to consider all kinds of factors. It's just a time consuming and it's difficult to do. Sentencing is really difficult to do. Most folks think judges just sit up there and come up with a number. And no. That's not how it's done. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I've, I've seen my colleagues agonize. I mean, they really go, to, go agonize with, with sentencing, and, 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 and that's what most judges are doing. And I see that now because I'm not sentencing anybody mm -hmm. at this point. <laughs> so, but I see my colleagues really going through that with these sentences. I think it would be really difficult. And if you're not able to leave that here and you take all of that with you all the time. Yeah, yeah. you gotta, you got to be able to leave it uh, or it makes you jaded. Yeah. Well, do you have any, um, out of all the cases that you've had and tried, um, are there any particular ones that stick out to you or are most memorable? You mean criminal cases? Or? Any type of case. Well, I, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I had a, I had a couple of cases where uh, defendants in criminal cases were defendants who are involved in law enforcement, policemen or other law enforcement people were charged with either killing somebody or attempting to kill somebody uh, for their own gain. One, one, both, in both cases that I had were robberies, and those, those, uh, those stick out uh, also. And, mm -hmm. and, 
it's a tr they were troublesome cases, but uh, uh, they are significant. They were significant cases. The case against Publix that I had years ago. One was a case of sex discrimination, and the other was a case of uh, case of race discrimination. Uh, I think both ended up being class action cases, and uh, the end result was that. Uh, Women were given the same rights to uh, positions as uh, men at public stores. And the amazing thing about it is it almost happened instantly. I mean, as mm. soon as the litigation was over, mm. you saw female managers in publics, uh, female assistant managers in publics. Uh, you even saw some black, uh, <laughs> black people in publics. Uh, so it's been an interesting case. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I tell folks when they ask me, I said, you know, one of the happiest days I had was my wife and I walked into a Publix up in southern Georgia, brand new Publix, right after this litigation. Uh, and uh, uh, there was a black, there was a picture of a black guy who was the manager of Publix and of a, a white uh, female who was assistant manager of Publix. And you know, you, so you went through all of that, you spent all of this time, this litigation, yeah. and you finally, and you got something done. So. And there's a, a good a yeah. result from it. Yeah, uh -huh. that's what I like, you know, but most cases and then you don't have, have that. <laughs> then you, Judge, you have the cases like um, uh, the Millions, um, case that's made into a documentary and a film <laughs> and, <laughs> and, when, and from what I've heard you say it's like when you're in the trial you're like that wasn't very interesting and then you have two direct, different directors calling you to make the movie yeah that was the old McDonald's case uh, <laughs> uh, the, the McDonald's sweepstakes case uh, uh. Uh, I mean they had 60, 60 odd people were indicted in that thing and I think five went to trial mm. And uh, the five, of that five, one was acquitted, and then the rest were, were released by the you know, hmm. 11th Circuit. So. <laughs> How <laughs> was, about that? And that thing went on for years. Yeah, after so. all that. <laughs> well, Judge, um, I like to end the podcast with uh, five questions. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to keep you too much longer. What is the best advice that you've received? The best advice that I received, that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good question. Thank you. Uh, someone advised me, one of the, one of the young judges advised me, and when I came on the bench, when he saw me He was on senior. In fact, he was a chief judge then. He uh, indicated to me saying uh, that uh, you shouldn't take this stuff home with you. You should leave it here. Mm. And I think, insofar as having a career in, uh, on the, as in the judiciary, that's the best advice that I had. It's hard to do that. And it is difficult <laughs> to do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you wake up in the middle of the night thinking mm -hmm. about, well, how are you going to do this? And, what about this? And what about what that lady said? So, so, yeah. yeah, it's hard to do, but I think for your own sanity, you gotta you, 
What would you like listeners to know about you? Uh, <laughs> not much, but uh, <laughs> I know you're a very uh, private, <laughs> private person. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it. I've I've, I've really enjoyed uh, the judiciary. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, now that I'm on senior status, I've reduced my load and uh, my legal load, and uh, I want to spend some time getting around the country and learning things. Yeah. What would be like one, the first place you would want to go to, if you could go anywhere? <laughs> you, you, you know, the first place I would want to go, and I've been there before, but I've never been to it in this state of mind. Texas. Oh. I'd like to really see if the attitudes in Texas are as bad as I think <laughs> they are. Some of the stuff I can't believe. Mm -hmm. Georgia is the same thing, but I've been all through Georgia. And yeah. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I, maybe I'll find out that Texas isn't as bad as uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that because. You know, it's it's kind of like Georgia does have a place like Atlanta that uh, seems to be a magnet for people. Uh, so it has to be a, 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 a pretty decent and a good place. And Texas got Houston and Dallas, and, and I spent some time in a couple of the cities there. So I like to think that they aren't as, aren't what these people tend, <laughs> to, tend to say it is. Uh, yeah. But I'd like to see that for myself. Okay. So I'd like to travel around Texas, maybe spend <laughs> couple of weeks and, and just driving around okay. Texas and see what's there. So. Maybe get like a, a hat and some boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you can, so you can fit in. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll ever fit in. But. Um, how do you start your day, Judge? How do I start my day? Uh, I, I, I would like to tell you that I start my day by getting on the treadmill, but I, don't, I really don't. <laughs> Uh, I start my day uh, by uh, basically uh, fixing me a cup of coffee and watching the news. And I do that almost every morning. I end my night by doing the same thing too. So <laughs> without the coffee, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more realistic than the coffee. Yeah. Um, do you, and do you have a quote or a saying that motivates you? A saying? Or a quote? Not really, not really, I can't, you know. Or maybe a book? Um, I have a lot of books that I've, uh, I've enjoyed uh, that have motivated me, uh, but uh, I won't say. Okay, and finally, what is next for you, Ron? The next for me, the next thing for me is to start my trip to Texas <laughs> and some of the other places. There's, there are places I haven't been. I, you know, I had a case once when I was in Tampa. Uh, it happened on a on a on a uh, national, you know, national forest uh, out in in Utah. Uh, I shouldn't say it was a forest uh, where these people were camping, and they were picking, uh, picking. Uh, the plaintiff was picking apples. I think it was apples. I think it was, he was in an apple grove on this national. 
and he fell off a ladder and he injured himself mm -hmm. and he sued the National Park, Park National Park Service okay. about that thing. And during the trial, uh, they were showing pictures of this area on there, and it was the most gorgeous thing that you want to see. And I've never really been in one of those national parks mm -hmm. out in Utah, Colorado, uh, and mm -hmm. I want to do that. I want to I want to go see them myself. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, so that's the next thing. That sounds, that I'm sounds amazing. As many of them as I can. Got it, got it. Well, thank you so much for being here today and for this time. Angie, Angie it's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you, Charles. <laughs> this has been another episode of Awake with Angela Dawn. Thank you for tuning in. You can find more on my Instagram, Angela Dawn underscore meditation, and also come and see new posts and videos and meditations on my YouTube channel, Angela Dawn. And as always, I would love to hear your feedback and how any of this has impacted you and any suggestions. And feel free to message or reach out. Have a beautiful day and show someone love and kindness today.